I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail, a clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit, gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Guy. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Spit. It's the Spit Podcast where we try to say the phrase yeah, guy in a bunch of different ways. It is Thursday morning. It's 10.07 a.m. here in Southern California. We are broadcasting live from the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center Library and Conference Room. And I welcome... The host of the show, David Lee Scales. Good morning. Co-host. Co-host. Thank you, though. Uh, yeah, thanks, Scott. Good to see you again. And welcome back to you. I would argue this is no longer the library and conference room. This is the podcast studio. Is it? I'd say so. What happened to the camera thing? Are you over the camera thing? or January. 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 So, I'm into the camera thing, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's a matter of um, workload. Like getting the cameras kind of not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, setting them up not that big of a deal. What are we going to do with that file once we're done recording? It's a nightmare. Post <laughs> post production. I we used to do it at Surfer. I have all of the Surfer ones. We filmed them. Yeah. And I have them, and but I do know that the post production was a major. And we didn't even do any post production. We just took the file and put it online. So that's it. You know. So we you, didn't have an opener or anything. That's a thing. I'd like to do it right if we're going to do it so one thing would just be to take a stagnant camera angle and post it on youtube and but i think the right way to do it would be three cameras so one tight on you one tight on me and one stagnant wide shot and then just cut in between those shots as uh someone's talking ideally you would then be able to cut away to footage that we're talking about if we can sort out that licensing but um even without the footage if it was just us talking it would be worth doing with the three camera angles cutting all that in post-production will take a lot more time it'd be better to get somebody here who can cut it on the fly and then just have a file when we're done upload that even just uploading it and kind of tagging it correctly and disseminating like sending it out to everybody and through social media would take a tremendous amount of time just the publishing you know, part. You're you're absolutely right. So. And basically, we're at this place where, or I guess I should say you are, I guess I am, I don't know. But you're, you get to that place where you're like, you know what? We need funding. Like, we're, yeah. you're about to take That's the it. next step. And you need a full-time producer. Yep. 
And a full-time producer is going to be, you can get a young kid in here, 25 years old for, I don't know what the number is. But so that means that you're probably going to need, I'm going to say 50,000 bucks a year to cover expenses, to cover his salary, to cover, that's assuming he's a full-time employee. Um, and so you have to go, look, Visla or whoever it is, I need you to step up now. This thing's going to blow up. You're going to put it on YouTube, obviously. It's going to go crazy. And, and, but in, it's kind of like the cart, you know, the chicken and the egg, you know, the, or the cart before the horse. Like what, who's going to man up here? Cause we're going to need the egg before the chicken. Mm -hmm. And so I it's think that lifelong thing where you're going to need an investor or a sponsor or somebody that's going to see the vision and go, look, this guy's been doing Surf Splendor, the podcast network, you've proven growth. And now we're at this place where like, jump on board with me. I'm about to take off. Yeah. And somebody like of this, like Paul, or somebody's going to have enough discretionary marketing dollars to go, David wants X. I think we can do that. Let's go with this. Let's see where this takes us. And and then you can bring on that producer and all of a sudden you're up into Rogan land, you know, or the one I really like, which I told you about is Fantasy Footballers, the oh, Fantasy yeah. Footballers podcast on YouTube. Um, but there's a million examples out there, right? That's the thing. We would just be, we're not inventing the wheel here. No. We're just replicating what's been done outside the surf industry and there's a number of models to follow. But I don't think, honestly, I like what you're saying. You're right. If we did it that way, we'd be up and running in a month. That'd be fine. I think the more kind of prudent and measured approach would be um, get a passionate 25 year old like you're talking about, just pay him a day rate for one day to come in and do it the day that we record. So it's not a huge salary. And then. Yeah, but you've got three shows. I know. Or yeah, I know. I know. But then, I mean, if you but just chose kind of like having, one show, if you chose one show to do it with as a big, as a soft launch. Yeah, that's true. So what I was thinking is we have kind of uh, outside surf industries now, dollars kind of coming in at a relative, you know, a slow number, but still just using that incremental investment to then reinvest into somebody like that and the equipment, knowing that we can place more advertising on those shows and then just utilize the income that come or the revenue that comes in to continue growing it organically. That feels safer to me. I think if you produce a visual sales deck that you can send out to your people, to your relationships and go, look, look, that you're going to be frigging all over this thing. Yeah. Like there's going to be a huge Visla sign behind us and we're going to be wearing Visla clothes and you know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're going to get some some people on board, yeah. and I'm sure maybe Eric and those guys over there would be into it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, they're getting somebody, a lot of play on this show today. They are. <laughs> I know. Um, uh, well, at any rate, you listen to speaking of things that have nothing to do with surfing that uh, we catch up on. Yes, you listen to Dolly Parton's America. Oh my god, dude! I'm fully into it's it. Good. Huh? I'm fully caught up. Are you? Oh yeah. yeah I'm waiting great. for the next episode. Me too. Dollitics, Dollywood. <laughs> Dolly How good is that? It's great. Dolly ticks. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's really good. good. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah. They do a good job. That guy does a, a good job. He's the It's interesting finest. the way that he runs around with the camera on and, and he goes, right now I'm running down the stairs. Or, or you know, like he'll kind of like tell you what he's doing or the, the sounds that you're hearing. Like he's... Mm -hmm. yeah, Did you ever listen to Radio Lab? No. That is, um, that's his original show and he got like the MacArthur grant to do it. Like he started doing it out of uh, WNYC. And it was early days, like when you were starting podcasting, like one of the first podcasts. And it was so good. His He focuses a lot on just audio production 
you know, layering in all of these sounds that he's grabbing off the street and stuff. Um, and then even doing sound design, like uh, scoring episodes, like hiring a band or a choir to come in and like score a section of the episode. And so we got the MacArthur Fellowship where they're just like, here's a grant for you to just kind of pursue your life's, your art's work, your art. And um, so we did that, was in, able to invest in Radio Lab, and that's become like a really, really good and popular you know, early pioneer of podcasting. What what comes to mind when we were talking about post-production is actually pre-production, which we don't do very much no. of at all. But for instance, like we're going to talk about Jack Robinson today, right? And there's a ton of, of stuff out there of him speaking oh, from yeah. his last victory where if you had a producer, you'd be like, okay, let's cut to that bit. And we would literally listen to Jack going, yeah, beer's on me or whatever he's going to say after his win at Sunset. Even or you might hear from Zeke Loud going, that was lame or whatever you're going to hear. All that pre-production stuff is another example of I mean, you the would, quality going through the roof. You would create a package. You'd create a three-minute introduction package that gives Jack Robinson's backstory with all those audio clips that you're talking about. And the thing is, he's been on camera since he was seven years old. Yeah. So you'd have so much stuff to pull from. But, but specifically also, for news stories, though, you're just going to like grab this 30-second yeah. snippet of his acceptance speech or whatever. Totally. Well, let's get into it. I mean, actually... Um, the sunset. I mean, we could do a full episode on the sunset comp. The sunset comp is that exciting. It's that there's that much going on. There's that many ramifications for uh, qualification for next year's tour, all that sort of stuff. There's so much happening in the lineup in any given heat. There's just it's the best event of the year. Maybe it's so good. It's not better than pipe, but it's so good. Yeah, the more the the more everyone understands the backstory that you mentioned, the the deeper it is for sure. Yeah. Do you want to get into Sunset? <laughs> or do you have other stuff? Do you have other stuff? Um, no, no, we can get into it. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, you know, what can you say? <laughs> Jack was just incredible, right? Jack Robinson was just incredible. Like, it was kind of otherworldly. It was as if he was at the box or something. Like, he really picked the eyes out of the, the heats, especially the final. And it so, was just mind-blowing so jack is we don't see this very often he's like a savant level surfer that has attunement with the ocean to a degree that is difficult to define you cannot tell me how he got those waves during the final without priority while everybody else let them go well like it's something to do with attunement it's something that we've seen kelly have we've seen tom curran have exactly those two guys um i I I mean they talked about it on the the broadcast a little bit, right? Especially Ross, that he spends a lot. You, you got to spend a lot of time out there. Not a lot of guys spend a lot of time at Sunset Beach. They're like, oh yeah, the condos, they put on their jersey, they paddle out, they surf it. But what he Jack has- Robinson's spending a lot of time and that's the kind of thing, just like at any spot where you're like, oh, these guys don't realize that this is going to double up and wedge up right here. And I see this a lot because I surf out here a lot and I know that they think this isn't even a wave and it's about to bubble up in front of me. And so I think that I'm not disagreeing with you. I think there is a savant quality. I think there is something about, you know, this sort of ethereal package that comes to him. But but for sure, time in the water out there helps a lot. But there's guys who spend as much time and there's guys that spend more time and they don't find those waves out there. So yeah. there's something else going on. Yeah. And I and it could just be that his skill level is greater than theirs. So the waves that he's going on are ones that they wouldn't be able to make look that way. They wouldn't be taking off as deep. Maybe, maybe his commitment. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but it is 
remarkable to see and it's what's undefinable uh like we watch look gabriel medina has two world titles gabriel medina is a phenomenal athlete surfer all the all those things he doesn't have that you know and he'll make scores out of waves that other people wouldn't necessarily make but there's a lack of magic magic with certain with most people you know like the, the whatever it is that i'm trying to define Again, you could count on one hand the surfers in the world that have had that over the years. Um, and it we saw it with Jack at the... Re- I'm trying to remember the three guys. The three you mentioned are for sure, right? Kelly, Tom, Jack, and Kelly Jack. and Tom. They're all I think regular Rabbit foot. might have had a little bit of that. Really? Maybe. Well... There's something... I've heard stories about Rabbit paddling out. Like they would have that Billabong Challenge thing and it would be like flat. And he would be like, we got to run this event. And he would like paddle out. When it's flat and just sit there and like sets would just start to come. Really? Yeah. It's like been said that he kind of willed it to happen. I remember reading a story about that once hmm. where Rabbit well, just willed this thing to happen. Like Jack McCoy and everyone, they're going to pack up and leave. And he's like, no, it's going to happen. I promise you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we saw it with Jack at the box earlier this year. Um, same thing kind of as the final of sunset where he got multiple nines. He was throwing away high eights, you know, and Felipe couldn't get a wave, basically. And Felipe was scared, that's why. But So that was a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but we've also had pinned a lot of hopes and potential on Jack Robinson since he was seven or eight years old. And so I'm thrilled to see him actually finally deliver on those goods. He's been in contention to qualify for the last three or four years or something like that. And um, we're, we weren't quite sure what was falling apart. And it was like maybe his small wave game isn't good and the QS is a lot of small waves. So it doesn't really suit Jack. But his small wave game is pretty good. And the the high-ranked events, he does well in. So he could have just qualified based on his, you know, 10,000s. But, but he barely squeaked in. I know. Like, I'm, I, I, it wouldn't be a stretch to say he's peaked. Right by now. qualifying, and he'll be one and done. No, because I'm not there's so many good waves happen. on tour. I know, I agree. I have them written out. I've got I've got questions for you about which events you think he's going to win. But yeah. luckily, like there's some pretty good waves on tour next year, and yeah. so if the swell's there, he's got a good chance. But but also, if you look at his past, we've, for the last three years, we're like going, just put him on the tour, you know, right. make him even qualify because he's not gonna because his small wave game isn't really there. I'm not saying he's not a great surfer. I'm just saying so you got to be at the level of Felipe and some of these Brazilian kids to qualify in the QS. Yeah. Well, in, so I don't think it actually has to do with a small game, small wave game. I think it has to do with his competitive savvy. I think that we've seen like guys get on tour, like John John even, where they can survive on their talent alone to a certain degree and then zeke paddles circles around him literally at bells and john john falls apart and he can't get a six so i think that the pointy end of the world tour is way too competitive like philippe uh idolo gabriel those guys are competitive machines and that'll actually throw a lot of naturally talented people off their game you know because often it doesn't just come down to surfing a wave well it comes down to catching that wave and all that other stuff or there's lulls and so jack can't rely on his savant talent alone and i think that's why he suffered in the past so it'll be really interesting to see whether or not he can sort it out on tour because we have a ton of examples of guys who haven't been able to sort it out on tour Colo andino took years uh 
Ethan Ewing, who just requalified. I mean, that guy has so much talent, and he failed. The first. Let me ask you this: Who wins a world title? Who has a better shot at a world title, Ethan Ewing or Jack Robinson? Great question. At this point, maybe Ethan. I think so too, because he's kind of done the hard yard. He got a rookie year under his belt, failed. He's coming back. He's got more experience. You're right. I mean, to get to your point, like, I mean, I guess what I was saying is, look. If we have seen the best of Jack, meaning, hey, he qualified for the CT, congratulations, you've made your career, good work, like that's it. It wouldn't surprise me based on his past. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not what we hope. That's not what we think. I mean, I wouldn't, betting, I would bet the opposite way, but it wouldn't surprise me if if he has a fizzled out freshman year on tour, rookie season, and he doesn't requalify and he's like, and you know what, Billabong or who, what is it, Volcom? Somebody wants to send me on edit trips. I'm just going to surf slabs and be the guy, and I'm going to surf in you know the Tasmania event and whatever. You know what I mean? He'll just be Jack Robinson, yeah, for like eight years, and I'll just do edits on him. And that I could see that happening. I couldn't. I feel like he has a desire to be a world champ. I'm not doubting his desire. Yeah. Well, what I do, what bodes well for him from a competitive standpoint, is how cerebral he is he's calm he never seems flustered you know like in post-heat interviews with all the attention that he gets he still feels very humble to me and he doesn't seem bothered or excited and when he loses he doesn't seem bothered or excited he's just kind of very moderate um and i think that that's will serve him well competitively yeah i would agree with that so Next year on tour, what are the events that you think he could win? Well, Margaret River, his home home event. I've got that down. Obviously. G-Lan. Right. Chopu. Yeah. Pipeline. Yeah. What about J-Bay? I have J-Bay now. I've never J-Bay's s- big. I mean, in theory he could, but I've never seen him there. I have no data points to right. pull from to indicate that he would do well there. Well, what about the way he surfs at North Point? That's kind different. Of, it's kind of Jay Bayish. He's getting barreled and doing airs at North Point. Yeah. So Jay Bay, he that's not that. what you do at Jay Bay, really. Felipe Toledo does it. It's, and the, even the barrel at Jay Bay, it's not a throaty barrel. I'm you just know? saying, You're like it's, picking it's, the it's eyes a out. fast, rippable, hollow, high-performance right-hander. And I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go first-round loss at Jay Bay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Because actually, Jay Bay is... You need, it's all about pacing, and you need time out there to sort out that pacing. We've seen a lot of great surfers go out there and um, not sort it out for years. Felipe uh, imposed his own will on J-Bay and surfed it entirely differently. I don't think that's Jack's game. Has Jack ever even surfed J-Bay? I don't know, but I think Margaret's is... How did he do in Margaret's last year? I mean, to me, he just had this one moment at the box, and it was insane, and it was like, kind of like what everyone remembers. But I don't even remember who won Margaret River last year. It was probably Idolo, or actually, it was John John, wasn't it? Yeah, it was John John. And by the way, Jack surfed beautifully at Margaret. I forget where where he finished. I could look it up while we're talking. But um, so the main this break, is where we need a producer, the main break. The you think you, you he think surfed he amazingly at main break? I remember him going right at main break, and I remember him getting kind of skunked for waves in the heat that he lost. But up until that point, surfing really, really well. And that's his home break, by the way. So, I mean, based on what you and I have kind of just flushed out, Jack could win the World Tour next year. If he won <laughs> if those he, four if events. If he won three events. Yeah. 
Tahiti Pipe and G-Land. Yeah, he could. I'm looking up. That'd be pretty insane. Um, By the way, you probably saw this. I just saw this this morning, but... Um, Jack Robinson, he won the event. He could have won the event with his two nines thrown out. With his his two top scores thrown out, his two backup scores would have won him the event. That's crazy. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. Um, he lost to Seth Moniz at Margaret River in the round of 16, which is round four. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I remember him getting kind of skunked for waves. But do you see what I mean? Like, it's kind of like you remember, like Margaret's to me is like, yeah, maybe. Agreed. I mean, I know it's his home spot, blah, 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 but... Yeah, he rips the box. I mean, if the whole, I guess what I'm saying is if the entire event was held at the box, he would be the winner. Or North Point. Yeah. But yeah, because think, all of a sudden it goes to Margaret's main break, you're kind of like, nah, I could see him getting skunked. And sure enough, we have proof that. And I think that skunked is um, related to what I was talking about earlier, which is just heat strategy. So um, there's some controversy here. I know. And what's funny is I had this in my notes before. Zeke posted his Instagram because I was watching that heat live. And when it happened, I just thought automatically that's an interference. It has to be an interference. And the commentators really didn't even allude. They really didn't even offer that up as an option. Um, I think one of them said it. The word accidental came out of Ross's. Yeah. Like it was all like, hey, it's cool. They're like, this happens. Yeah, accidents happen in the ocean. I'm thinking. That was avoidable, first of all. I don't think Jack... Do you want to explain what happened? No, you do it. Okay. It was early in the heat. Nobody had a foothold on what was going to happen yet. There was no real leaders, but Zeke Lau gets an epic wave. Well, before that, Jack got a wave, so he's on the inside paddling back. Correct. So Zeke then gets a good one, gets shacked, and as is the case with Sunset, there's a lot of chandeliers and kind of bumps, and you don't kind of know if he's going to make it or not. So he's navigating it blindly, basically, and Jack Robinson is scrambling, uh, paddling out towards the shoulder of the wave, but ultimately he's going to be right, he ends up being right where Zeke is getting spit out. So Zeke runs straight over Jack. Jack sees it coming a split second before Zeke hits him. So Jack bails his board. And it looks like Zeke kind of goes, there's maybe, let's say, two feet of distance between Jack and his board. The board being in front of Jack, kind of right in the barreling section of the impact zone. And uh, Jack just kind of ducking underwater and pushing his board in front of him. And it looks like Zeke goes in that two feet between the tail of the board and where Jack ducks under so um zeke is standing on his feet exiting the barrel runs over jack and falls is what happens no interference is called they both come up after the, there's a lot of commotion there's everybody's wondering if everybody's okay uh the commentators are confused the two skis go to help both guys actually at they first both the, have board no one damage. even no, no one even really noticed jack at first they saw Zeke kind of get. They're like, "Oh, that was weird. It was just a tough exit. Yeah. But, you know, it must have been a bump or a lump that you know, like." And then they, then there was some chaos. There was some skis going into the white water to pick up. There was some, there was yeah. an, an incident occurring. It, it, it appeared, and, and no, so and Chris Cote goes, "Hey, it looks like there's an incident, you know." And Ross goes, "Oh yeah, I hope no one's hurt." And we see the skis, and we see people waving for boards, and then it's like, "Oh yeah, everything's cool. They just they're all safe and healthy. Luckily, nobody got hurt, and looks like they both have board damage. Correct. Yeah, and you know, accidents happen, and 
that was basically the extent of the interference discussion. Before before they could even really fully analyze it, Jack's out the back and gets a sick wave. And now that's the conversation for the rest of the heat. Yeah. And then Jack gets two, three, four more. And it's the Jack show. And nobody talks about this incident moving forward. Yeah. In my mind, so I don't think that Jack did as that an, intentionally. As an end user, were you as caught up in his following rides, his nines, his 9.6, his incredible surfing, the, the history that we were watching, or were you in the back of your mind during watching it, were you going, but what about the interference? Because I wasn't. I was like, I like bought into what those guys said. I was like, yeah, oh, well, accident, no big deal. Move I, forward. Like I, hadn't, I didn't come back to this until I saw this thing that Zeke posted on Instagram. I got caught up in it too, and I did forget about the interference because honestly, I figured they know best. I go, wow, that looked like an interference to me. And I was concerned about it for the next three minutes one because I wanted Jack to win. And I'm like, shoot, Jack's going to get his score cut in half or whatever. And when they didn't seem concerned, I just go, oh, well, they know best. Number one, the judges know best. So if they're not calling it, then number two, the commentators know best. So if the commentators aren't concerned about it, then maybe I shouldn't be concerned about it. So I went along with what you're saying, but did add it to my notes to discuss with you prior to Zeke publishing that thinking, we should discuss this. This is actually, it felt like an interference to me. Um, by the way, Jack, I don't think it was intentional that he would block Zeke's exit. No. But Jack could have avoided that situation. He could I, have paddled I've, the other way. I've been in that situation before. We probably all have. And it's more treacherous for me as the paddler to paddle to the right into the impact zone when I could just duck dive kind of the barreling set or before the barrel comes. But the guy's in the barrel. Like, it's his wave. I don't want to block his wave. So I would put myself in harm's way and take the beating because that's what you do. As a surfer, that's what you do. Well, a couple of things. First of all, it's such a dynamic situation as that thing's unfolding because this wasn't like a perfect backdoor pipe barrel or whatever. Like, it's sunset, right? There's, as you mentioned, there's warbles, there's sections, there's chandeliers. It even looked like Zeke pick the line and many times at inside sunset the wave picks you you don't pick the line you know what i mean like you just happen to see thing burps open and you're like oh shit i'm in this thing and and then a warble comes up the wave face and maybe you've got a higher line then so anyway it's just not as simple and clean as it could be a pipeline right so zeke's wave even before jack was in the picture was just sort of discombobulated and just it wasn't a super clean and smooth situation right and even i think ross said that it looked like Zeke took kind of a, a line that he like maybe his footing wasn't right and he, it wasn't really the line that was the ideal line and it wasn't like a clean exit either regardless of Jack Robinson and so I think the judges were like well we're surprised he even made it that far and we think maybe he might have wiped out prior to even Jack being there but again I'm just trying to read into what the judges might have been thinking. But the judges had the information. They had the benefit of hindsight because he did make it and they watched him make it. And it was clear that Jack was the reason he fell. He was fully, Well, he fully was prepared. going to make it. It wasn't clear that he had fi finalized the ride. It I, was the exit of the barrel. Right. But I'm saying that if Jack wasn't there, it wasn't a guarantee. I think it was. At that point, it was. He was fully planted, coming out with the spit. No, there was there was white water on him. He was kind of busting through a section. I looked at it. You should take a peek at it on the heat analyzer. But my feeling was it wasn't like this super clean, buttery, claiming 
you know, exit. It was way more like, oh shit, hold on. Anything could happen here. This is inside sunset and I'm busting through some white water and oh shit, I just ran into something. Yeah. He had the wherewithal to eject though. So that indicates Well, I'm not he saying he couldn't have made it. I, I would even argue there's probably 80% chance that he would have made it, but I'm just yeah. saying it wasn't super clear. That's not for the judges to decide. Like if Jack I is agree. the reason that we're now having this conversation, Jack being in the way, yeah. then that's on Jack. Yeah, and th period. that brings us to why we're talking about it because it's it is a controversy and Zeke brought it up and I don't know, maybe you should read what Zeke wrote. I didn't I didn't write it down so you could read it, but what I want to say is it's not petty. This is actually Zeke's requalification was on the line. Zeke needed to win this event in order to requalify for 2020 and by virtue of this, he got second instead of first. So Zeke actually did all of the work required. And it comes down to this for the rest. This is has huge implications for his career. This okay. isn't just a matter of making a heat. This no, no, I agree. It's crazy. A couple things. Um, the guys that stabbed did a really good job of pointing this out. And that Zeke's um, Instagram, when he talks about this, he never mentions Jack Robinson once. Correct. He uses the phrase the surfer in white, which is kind of a like my hat's off to Zeke for kind of rising above the fray and just going with a real objective, like, look, these are the rules. The surfer was in my way. The surfer in white was in my way. So I think it was good of Stab to acknowledge that Zeke was being really, really professional about this. And I would go further by saying, I don't think that there's any personal animosity between these two surfers. Agreed. I have a feeling Jack probably apologized to Zeke, like, hey, my mistake, I didn't Maybe Jack didn't even see him on the wave, to be honest. Like, Jack could have collected his board at the last minute, spun around, started paddling, and not wasn't sure if somebody was in that wave or not. Um, so Can I, you want to read his thing? Yeah, I have a feeling. And, but, and I don't think that Zeke holds Jack personally liable for this. It's a matter of the WSL. The WSL is the one who made the mistake. In well, this. and this is definitely directed at the WSL. He said, going off the rule, surfer in white. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> <clears throat> it's contagious going off the rule surfer in white could and zeke capitalized could surfer in white could have gotten out of the way from this video clip you can see surfer in white has enough time to make a conscious decision where to paddle just so happens that the line he chose is directly where i drew my line to come out of the barrel which is the only option that I had. The surfer paddling out has options to avoid the surfer on the wave. He should be in the channel paddling back out. It should come down to who had priority over the situation. These two surfers are not equal in this specific case, and the rules should benefit the surfer on the wave utilizing priority. This ride would have been the first major score of the heat, but was deemed incomplete because the surfer in white chose to bail his surfboard, causing me to fall off, hindering the scoring potential of my wave, breaking my board, and leaving white with priority. How is it okay for the interfering surfer to, to gain so much advantage from a collision and an interference not be called? The highlighted rule 168 section 3 enables controversy and should be addressed. Thanks to everyone for all the supportive messages. Let me know what you guys think. Aloha. And that's what Zeke wrote. Um, Zeke's entirely right. There is a rule in place that if you take that, uh, apply the rule to the letter of the law, Zeke is has been wronged in this situation. 
in your opinion, Scott, what can the WSL do at this point? The WSL, I think, has to admit their mistake. I mean, they did make a mistake. So right now they have to make a decision on how to proceed. What do you, what do you think their course of action is? Wow. You really put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting, right? If I mean, if they they have two choices, they can go, this is the way that we uh, interpreted what happened. And based on our interpretation, what we did was correct. There was just, this was just an accident. And the actual rule book allows for some discretion in this regard. I don't, by the way, caveat, I don't know that to be the case, but I heard that on, on the broadcast. But Zeke just showed an example of there's no discretion in this case. Here's, Maybe. here's what I mean, happened. Here's the rule. No discretion. Yeah. I mean, there's always discretion because you're dealing with this dynamic situation. It's never black and white. Because it's not a sport. Well, no, it's an athletic endeavor of the highest uh, degree. But um, So the WSL can either go, stick by their guns, basically what I'm saying. Option one is stick by your guns. Don't even say anything. Just be like, we already made our decision during the day that during the event. It was made. Like, no, no interference. Move on. Um, or they can review it. And in, in their heart of hearts, all of them get together and go, you know what? We made a mistake. Um, let's put out a press release or however we do it and say, hey, um, you know, we reviewed it. In hindsight, it was a mistake. Um, and then how do you mitigate the damage this does to Zeke's career? Because this is huge. It's impossible to mitigate that. Well, you could put him on tour. No. You could find, you could that, take, take that, out number 10. Yeah, that's not. Who's number 10? Let me ask you this. Here's even a better question. Morgan Sibili? If you took half of like so if you get an interference you get your one high score and then half of your next high score it depends on the type of interference that's one type the other type is you lose the second ride completely okay well do you know which one we would apply I in this case i think this would be the first one that you said where your second score gets halved okay so then jack would have a 967 jack and still would have won and a four and a half i already ran the math okay that's what i want okay does he win using the other option where no okay he loses he only has a nine six yeah, seven exactly okay. so the answer is so he, he still would have won. Fair, that's so, not, well, my point is the WSL could go look. We agree it was, should have been an interference, but doing the math, the results are the same. They're not the same though, because um, you know as well as I do that the heat doesn't play out the same way if one person starts off with a lead. Like it changes the yeah. dynamics. Yeah, if yeah. somebody posts a huge score yeah. right at the beginning, right. which Zeke would have if yeah. Jack didn't block him, yeah. then it would have thrown off Jack's headspace. Well, theory. I mean, we're in you're assuming that too. Well, like, also they would no all be in different. That. But they would physically be in different positions. Yeah, Zeke would, because uh, Jack would have had to paddle deeper. He would have got washed in. Zeke would have kicked out. He would have got priority on the way back out. It changes every dynamic. Yeah, the, that's true. You know? That's true. That's true. So but you you started this whole thing off by saying that Jack's a savant. He seems to be able to will these things we don't even know what power he has that just seems to be able to find perfect waves and, and mean meaty situations and you know so we can't discount that i don't well i mean certainly it's so dynamic of course they're going to be in different situations physically if he had paddled the other way in an alternate universe i don't see it playing out the exact same no matter how you run the alternate universe right you don't Z you don't see jack winning 
No, I could see him winning for okay. sure, but it just plays out differently in right. every single scenario. Yeah, well, okay. The scores would not be exactly the same. Even, But we can run the math, and we can say that if you just got Zeke, if that happened, the judges applied the interference rule, and then if everything played out the way that it continued to play out, Jack would have won with the interference. Yeah, you're right, though. It's so interesting because what's even weirder is this concept that he got priority. Right. Like, that's because his caddy got him his board quicker and he got outside sooner. Yeah. It does feel like insult to injury. It does. I mean, I think Zeke has a lot to be more than disappointed and just kind of disturbed and upset about this. Is kind of weird. But so, and a lot of people have chimed in on it yeah. on Instagram. So I think to answer my own question that I posed to you yeah. about the WSL, what should they do? I think uh, they cannot fix the situation. They've created too much damage. It's irreparable at this point. And unfortunately, Zeke is the victim and he's going to get screwed in this deal. But so what do I th- you say nothing if the WSL no, to just move on? Because I think the WSL if, if needs you feel to- it's irreparable, then why keep like throwing lime in the, in the wound? Like let's well, just, look, let's move a pipe. I think the solution, I hate to even say this because I kind of hate when corporations do this. But somebody's got to be held accountable. There is a judge who made a decision. It's their responsibility. The WSL, as this kind of vague entity, this nameless, faceless identity, they can't, they're not responsible. Like, they can't get all of our ire. There is an individual who made a bad decision, and it is probably the head judge, or maybe, you know, or the priority judge, or I don't even know who that exact person is. And they are the ones who should be held responsible. Why so is it that they don't feel... would you feel good? Feel- would Zeke feel good? Would everyone feel good if we fired this guy or somehow suspended him without pay for three months? Like, is I that, don't, that going to be- make everyone feel no, better? No, it doesn't need to be a firing or a suspension. It needs to have some resolution that you and I can agree with and understand. The WSL needs to be like, hey, uh, we, we investigated what went down in that moment. And right. here is uh, Protamo. A rent. And here's why he did or didn't do something. Mm-hmm. And then Pratamo could even say, hey, guys, they don't actually imbue me with that much authority. I'm responsible to make sure that I do what my bosses want me to do. And then we can now hold the W. You and I can hold the WSL accountable in that scenario. You know, you and I are confused as to where there is this dark o- overlord at the WSL who wants to script things and want things to play out. And so right now we're confused as to where to place our blame. But realistically, if everything is on the up and up and there are checks and balances in place, then it should be Pratamo who is responsible for making this call. And it looks like he made the wrong call. And if he did, why isn't the WSL pulling him into the office and slapping his wrist and going, dude... Zeke's career is on the line. There's I'm, I'm not I'm sure that that has happened on some level. Are you sure? I'm not I mean yeah, I kind of am. I, I I kind of feel like after Zeke putting this out here and the entire North Shore talking about this that it's on everyone's mind. <laughs> At least if you're Hawaiian. Well, it's on everybody everyone's mind, but is it a a group decision of like well, how say- do we save face or is it where was the actual problem? Yeah, How did this even happen in the I first place? I can't speak if David, to that. If David Scales is in his kitchen cooking dinner, watching this on the iPad, kind of vaguely watching it and can see that it's an interference, but the head judge can't? Did you burn the dinner? No. It turned out great. Uh, but how is that? how is that acceptable? 
Well, I, I agree. I mean, how, and I'm, we're not saying that it's acceptable. I'm just suggesting to you that I think we don't know that, in fact, maybe they are addressing it right now. They're like having meetings going, what, what, what's the plan? A week, of- a week later? Like they should have addressed <laughs> this before Zeke Lau does. You know what I mean? I'm not it's trying silly. to be an apologist for the WSL. I agree. I, it's, I'm, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's one of these untenable situations where you're like, should we just chalk this up for, shit happens and move on with our lives or look yes we've done that for decades now but this doesn't jive with the wsl's end goal okay, well, the wsl's end goal is to be the NFL. grow the yes to grow the business and to be respected legitimately right. in all these other ways and they're not behaving that way let's use the more NFL often than not. as an example this actually happened last year in the nfl okay there was an egregious um personal uh pass interference call in the sem in the like playoffs that cost a team their chance to go to the Super Bowl. Everyone in the world saw it. It was like the big talk on all the sports type. It was like everyone was talking about it. It was an obvious pass interference that was not called. Very similar to this. An interference that was not called. And it cost the team their chance to go to the Super Bowl. It didn't just hurt one guy. It hurt 53 guys, their organization, their administration, and their 70,000 fans or more. Way more. Way more. Yeah. yeah. And what did the NFL do? They went, oh, shit. <laughs> we, we messed up. And they addressed it in the offseason. They implemented new procedures. They now allow for coaches to, to, to challenge pass interference if it's called or not called. In other words, if a play happens and you're a coach and you're like, that looked like pass interference, you can throw a red flag out there and have them replay it and look at it. Now, we're not... Surfing isn't allowed that because it's so dynamic and shit's happening right in front of us and the plays aren't stopped and started like they are in the NFL. Obviously, just after this, Jack got an incredible 9.0 and then a 9.67. Like, within three minutes, he was killing it. Mm-hmm. So, WSL isn't afforded that luxury. But the point is is that the NFL did do what you're saying. They, they addressed it. It was in the offseason. It wasn't right away. I mean, right away, I think they were all... They might have put out some press on it, like, yeah, we're going to deal with it. You know, like anything to kind of tamp or d- tamp down the, the disgust. But so maybe that's what the WSL does. Maybe they put out a little thing that's like, hey, we realize we screwed up. We're going to implement a procedure so that this never happens again. It's unfortunate what happened to Zeke. We feel horrible. We, you know, I, you know, but again, see, now you're getting into liability issues. Like you're getting into a place where Zeke could sue the WSL. As soon as the WSL goes, yeah, we were at fault and we've ruined your career. Zeke could be like, dude, I'm suing you. Like yeah, you just cost me, that's you just cost happened. me my career. They did. That will happen. By the way, they did. Who did? They did cost. Me. No, I know, but but I mean, my <laughs> so point he has, is, he has. If you admit guilt, yeah, in a prop, in a press release, that opens up for Zeke's lawyers to go. Guess what? We're suing your ass. Right. So they've got to now get their lawyers in there and go, okay, how do we tiptoe around this? Yep. You know? So yeah. anyway, there's a lot to it. And a lawsuit could happen. Yeah. I could see a lawsuit happening. Yeah. This guy's entire career is pretty much gonzo. Okay. Will, so- he, will he grind on the QS again or will he just hang yeah. out in Hawaii in November and hope to qualify for three, three events? He'd grind it out, I'm sure. Or I think he will. He now has to, and I think that he will in 2020. There's more 10,000s this year, too. Um, So that's a perfect segue into my next line of questioning for you, which is how do we feel about Zeke? Like, if Zeke, Zeke, 
every individual surfer has their own brand to consider, especially nowadays with social media and all that sort of stuff. And does Zeke, he has a couple of uh, marks on his record in terms of not just relying on his surfing to get through heats. He's often not requalified, and it comes down to sunset, and he won sunset two Didn't times. Didn't Kanoa and Igarashi get him through? Exactly. Yeah. And then it's kind of like he's relying on other surfers. If Kanoa makes a heat and eliminates that guy, then I get to qualify. So Zeke's whole career has kind of been marred by barely needing, hanging on. Needing help. Needing help. From somebody but else. But then you couple that with him paddling circles around John John to win heats. Like the optics for Zeke aren't. Uh, stellar. Yeah, they're not. They're not black and white. They're right. not cut and dry. It's not. I'm sure that he's making enemies as this well as silhouette's he's not going to be the new emblem on the WSL badge. It is not, and I'm not against any of that. I kind of no. want to dissect it with you. Yeah, I think that at a certain point, as a pro surfer, you do want to look at legacy, and you do like uh, Damian Hardman. When we say his name, we think tactician. That's not sexy. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. whereas we think... He would probably say the same. Yeah, totally. And then we think... He tells say, a good And then I say, Sean Thompson. And you think, ambassador. Right. You know? Right. And he's Tom Curran, style. You know? Like, where does Zeke land in the legacy conversation? And that's something for him to analyze well, for himself. I don't think his career has been deep enough to even land anywhere. I don't... And I think in 20 years... If it stopped right now, and you said Zeke Lau in twenty years from now, you wouldn't Footnote. be able. To, yeah, you wouldn't be able to put anything on him yet. Yeah. But it's a great question that you asked, and you're right. There is a lot of drama around Zeke, and part of me is like, gosh, is this? If we believe in karma, is this just kind of karma coming back a little bit, or back maybe, from what though? From what did he do wrong? Um, some could argue that you know hassling John John was kind of uncalled for. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I actually I actually like Zeke in the same way that I kind of like Gabe. Like it's good to have some kind of guys that are kind of like bulls in a china shop a little bit. It's Is good he? for you and me. It's good for the brand. It's good for end users to have conflict. Of course. It's good storyline. If everybody was Nat Young, we'd be like, dude, let's just go watch bowling or something, you know, like Well, I guess what I'm curious about is I don't is Zeke a bull in the china shop? I don't I mean. I don't think Zeke. I think that there's a little racism happening. Where? Oh, guy. I do. Bringing the ism. I. I mean, I do. Let me explain why. Zeke is a strong, like a intimidating figure in terms of physical aesthetic, and he's got tattoos, and he's buff, and he's taller, and he's bigger. But I've never seen him actually do anything. Um, aggressive other than the paddling around john john and his surfing's aggressive but i've never seen him he's always been a gentleman whenever i hear him in his posting interviews i feel like it's the media and like the viewers looking at him as an intimidating figure and associating him maybe with sonny garcia's tactics you know and it's like no he's never i mean his surfing is similar to sonny but i've never seen him slap a guy i've never seen him punch anybody i've never seen him get in a fight i've never seen him even physically uh try to intimidate anybody other than the paddling around John John, which by the way, they're friends. They're both from the same place. I'm sure like John John wasn't physically threatened by Zeke. So I I don't think that Zeke actually is Where's the what, racism? Well, it's it's taking that with the Hawaiian like local going to pound you, going to 
give you false slaps if you paddle in front of me, you know? But are you false saying cracks. that this is why they didn't call the interference? No. So, like, I'm, I'm not sure no, where no. you're applying the racism. I'm saying the racism would be from the general public's view of Zeke for his legacy. When I painted that legacy oh. picture before, like, people are looking at Zeke going... So you're racist. You're assuming we're all racist because I'm assuming that's the, the general public, vision that you have? I, I'm assuming the general public is projecting this Sonny Garcia stereotype right. onto Zeke. Yeah. And I don't think that Zeke's really done enough to earn that. Zeke has been a gentleman yeah, a with a low huge assumption. I see that happening. I mean, read the comments on Instagram. Oh, I, I didn't read any of the comments. A lot of the... Well, first of all... Actually, I, if, say, I did read one. I saved one from Johnny Boy Gums, which I thought was great. What does it say? Get the fuck out of the way. Back in the day, they would have got cracks after getting run over. Hashtag no joke. Hashtag no joke. <laughs> so he's saying Jack Robinson would have got run over and then got cracks. Back in the day, yes. he would have got cracks he after would've. getting run over. No yeah. joke. Oh, yeah. yeah, he would have. No doubt. And, but so that's my point is like people I think are – we have this uh, stereotype of Hawaiian Okay, let's talk about the stereotype. The stereotype is Johnny stereotype. Boy Gomes right, who's exactly. driving at home right now. Right. Johnny Boy, He's saying, Sonny, whoever. There's a bunch of like mean Hawaiian guys, right? Yeah. That are mean like the um, Wolfpack guys, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's the stereotype, right? So – I think you're, you're saying that the general public sees any dark surfer from Hawaii and puts that muscly with tattoos. Right. Doesn't yeah. see Aloha, sees, uh oh, here comes some trouble for me. Here comes aggression. And right. I think they're all imbuing. Is that Zeke a correct that. assumption? No, because I. I no, I, no, in I, general, based no, on I don't think the it's stereotypes a, that we mentioned, the Wolfpack guys, it's a historic, Johnny Boy. Um, I mean, do you think that they, that they sort of. Um, like just in Johnny Boy's um, text here, a reply he he kind of is putting that out there that like we we would have hit you. Yeah, he's that is a true stereotype for that generation. I don't think Zeke has earned that reputation. Uh, to me, Zeke's exhibited aloha. So no, no, my, there's no doubt. I agree, but what you're saying is that the general public is putting that Johnny Boy thing onto yes, Zeke. Yes, and and that stereotype is based on actions and experiences that that Johnny Boy and those that crew from that generation put out there. Correct. So it's a not necessarily an unfair assumption for Joe Blow watcher guy, end user guy to go, oh. It, it is completely unfair because you this new generation isn't that generation. And if you just go by what Zeke wrote in his Instagram post, it was very non-confrontational. Like you said, I he didn't agree. even use Jack Super Robinson by his name. And he didn't even make it personal in any way. He wasn't attacking. He was just explaining, here's the rules. So I would say Zeke's post flies in the face of the stereotype. It's the opposite of the stereotype. I totally agree with that. It's only more fuel yeah. for me to go, Zeke ex conducts himself with aloha. So you're saying that the replies were racist it was based kind of on their own yeah, it was experiences kind of, with past generations of I would of say Hawaiian it was pretty surfing. strictly divided between Hawaiians, which were saying exactly what you, you just read, right. going, yeah, you're right. This was ridiculous and Jack should – they all took Zeke's side. And then non-Hawaiians basically were saying, this guy's a complainer. This guy needs to shut up. It You can't – you know, who cares? Yeah, you got aggrieved suck it up that's what happens in life mm. it was pretty clearly divided well zeke did do a really good job of of a professional instagram that was thought out and i mean 
I don't think the WSL could be more pleased with the way Zeke presented the situation on his Instagram. He, he, he was the opposite of Bobby agreed. Martinez. Agreed. I, I haven't seen one misstep on Zeke's part in any of this. Yeah. I think Zeke, he was his back was against the wall with qualification. He surfed beautifully throughout the event. He got into the final. He got the wave he needed. He surfed it beautifully. Something happened to him that was outside of his control. He did not freak out about it in the water. He didn't even throw his hands up. When, Ze- when Jack won the event, Zeke paddled over and they embraced. Zeke hugged him at the end of that heat before they got out of the water. Zeke got home. He didn't complain. He didn't rush the judges' tower. He didn't throw rocks at the judges' tower. <laughs> all last Sunny Garcia. I kind of miss it too. <laughs> he went home. He waited a few days. Probably consulted with people that matter to him. Yeah. He Jake Patterson reviewed the footage. Yeah. Articulated a response. Probably edited the response. Exactly. And then published it with all of the video footage to illustrate what happened and the rule itself. Yeah. Without any personal attack. Zeke's the man in this situation. And by the way, Jack is as well. Jack yeah. conducted himself really yeah. well. So it's... Where do we go from here? What, what do you think? The, the WSL, WSL needs good? to point the finger at the person who made the mistake and be like, hey, we're going to reprimand and rectify and now put rules, new rules in place you would, for how we handle this Which situation. is what the NFL did. Yeah. That's what needs to happen. And what would those rules be, do you think? Like... It seems like all the rules are in. They got plenty of rules. And they got plenty of camera angles. It's too. more like policy. It's not even rules. It's, it's policy. A, it's policy and procedure. Yeah. And so maybe at sunset you have more than one priority guy. Like maybe you have a crew of priority guys. It might as be soon additional. as you see a yeah. situation, those three guys, they don't have to keep their eyes on on priority that's happening at, in real time, they can stop, go look at footage in a back room, wherever, and not be worried about, oh my God, I'm supposed to be watching for priority as it happens Correct. in real time. They can then take a look, do whatever they need, make a decision, come back to the judges while another guy's doing priority in real time, come back to the judges and go, hey, guess what? We got an interference. And then they make the decision. That way they didn't lose eyeballs on the water. Yeah. And they've got guys that are ha- which is kind of what the NFL does now. The NFL now goes, you know what? We're going to send this to New York, and there's guys in monitor, on monitors so this, in New York watching. This sol- One thing that we talked about years ago would solve this. Yes. This is the ultimate solution. Judges in Santa Monica. Yes. The judges do not need to be on site. The fact that you and I, in our respective homes, were caught up in the storyline of Jack you know, getting a bunch of nines right after that, don't you think the judges were too? And the judges were on site. You're, they're even more subject to all totally. of that energy. Totally. So. Even if they had the best of intentions and they had that inkling that I had, which was, wasn't that an interference? They're responsible for scoring every wave that comes through. And it's busy. And it's busy. And all the energy on the beach. And you can hear the on-site announcer. And you can hear the cheers and all this stuff. So they're absolutely subject to that. There's no reason for them to be on-site. They should be far removed. They have enough camera angles to review everything. And that's so they, a- need to, they need priority and interference judges at each event. No. Or in away Monica. from each event. Well, my point is they need a, a crew. Right now, they don't have a separate crew. Yeah. They have a priority judge. The main crew should be not and, on site. Right. That's that's sort of secondary to what I'm saying. I agree with you, and I, yeah. I've made that case numerous times with you. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is to solve this problem now, at each event, there literally is a crew of judges, three guys, and all they do is... They they wait and if there's a priority situation they go and they review it and then they report back to the judges as quickly as possible with the decision. Meantime, there's still a priority judge 
on site, real time, with eyeballs on the water, yeah. and of course the regular judges that are scoring the heat. Yep, I agree. Okay, so we just added to the the expense. We added a line item to the WSL's expense. I don't know. Maybe it reduces the overall expense because there's no T and E with sending those people around the world all the time. Well, I'm I'm okay with. I mean, the line item has to be there. Like, we can't be worried about expense, but I'm just, I was going towards that place that you just went, which yeah. is, guess how we solve that expense? Yeah. No T&E. Yeah. Everybody comes home. Right. We might need a broadcast team on site. Yeah. I think. I'm okay with that. But not very many. Maybe just two. You could have a crew in the studio, which they do in the NFL. Like, they have six people in a studio in New York. They're in a game in Green Bay. And there's two guys in the booth and a chick on, or not a chick, but a sideline reporter on the, on the usually it's a beautiful girl, but a smart, beautiful girl. Uh, so yeah, you got three on site and you've got a whole crew in the studio in Santa Monica. A um, couple of other things through the event. Jordy Smith got injured. So he's, he went back home to California. He went here to San Clemente, California to rehab or just to get it looked at. Um, so he may or may not serve pipe masters. And he is in world title contention, so that'll be a huge problem for him if he doesn't serve Pipe Masters. One other person that I wanted to talk about in the event didn't get enough discussion, and maybe we need to make some memes out of this. Wesley Dantes. <laughs> his claim? His, his whole, his, his his whole, whole persona. Over, like yeah. Everything about yeah. Wesley Dantes is pure He's like Beetlejuice. To me. He's it's like Beetlejuice on Howard Stern. <laughs> Dude, so Wesley Dantes is the younger brother of uh, Wiggly. Wiggly Dantes. And I saw Wesley at the Visla event in Sydney this year. And I was like, is this guy... Does like, he carry is himself he, that way all Is the time? he Wiggly's bodyguard? Like, I'm not quite sure who he is. Or is he just in Wiggly's crew? And like, I know... And then I realized who he was. And I'm like, oh, I've seen his name through the QS. And he surfs well and all yeah, that. Yeah. But watching him in this event was pure comedy to me. In that... I think he thinks he's way better than he is, but then he would luck into these barrels yeah. and somehow navigate them yeah. and then come out and claim them unbelievably hard and get like a six. He would like bruise himself. He was claiming yes. it so hard. He was hitting himself he's in the face. He punching himself in the face and like stomping on his board. I'm sure he put a bunch of pressure dings. I'm sure he ruined the board that he was riding for his next heat Does because he-, he was so excited. But does he think the excitement and the claim helps his score? Like it seems like he's like the more the more I punch, the more my score is going up. Hundred percent, he does. And he would find himself with thirty seconds left, needing a score, and then he would get shacked. This happened like three times. I know he'd get shacked and get the score. And so, I mean, he wasn't the best surfer in the event. He wasn't even close to the best surfer in the event. He was kind of a one-trick pony. Like he's got power, and he'll land a turn once a heat. And pig dog the hell. And out he'll of pig dog. He'll happen to get five epic barrels in his life at sunset, and he got all five in this event. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he he's he comes out of him going, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna become the next Mister Sunset." Like, watch me, here yeah. I come. Yeah. Watch next year, he's gonna lose round <laughs> Move one. Move over, Jeff Hackman. Yeah, exactly. here I am. And I'm watching it, kind of realizing that. It is for what it, I was realizing it is it was what it is. It, but the fact that he like really thought this was his arrival on the scene yeah. and was claiming so hard and then the score would drop and it'd be a six so you're, was so good. You're saying that we're not going to see Wesley Dantas 
too much more like have we seen the best of, is this his peak moment yes there's no more wesley Dawson. Yeah. no like, dude like he's not going to win a ten thousand qs somewhere you think no no I where know. i don't know <laughs> i'm just i'm putting you on the spot I mean, which ten thousand could he win which event could i mean I don't know. did you watch him surf i mean he serves good yeah i mean it's just like one of the many he's i mean what it, i bet he's ranked 200 and something like yeah. is he better than that no uh, i think his rankings reflect beautifully where he is am i wrong well, I mean, no, was it not pure wrong. comedy it was it was it was it was entertaining there is no doubt it was awesome that he he t saw his moment of limelight and just cranked up the heat yeah and by the way uh wiggly dantes he did better than his brother wiggly dantes who was on tour, who's actually a far superior surfer. Like, Wesley earned it. I'm not taking anything away from him. But it was just pure comedy to me. It was awesome. Who else? What else did you well, have? Well, look, I have my annual sort of diatribe about the Vans Triple Crown, right? Bring it. Here's who's the top six guys for the Vans Triple Crown. Okay? Oh, yeah. I'd be curious to know. So here's the so the Vans Triple Crown is three events. It's the Haleiwa event, the Sunset event, and the Pipe event. Those three events are the three jewels in the crown of the Vans Triple Crown of surfing. This very prestigious, um, illustrious, you know, big deal. If you win the Vans Triple Crown, it means you, you made your mark in Hawaii and you're the real deal. And so the leader is Ethan Ewing with 10,000 points. Um no, more than that, sorry. Ethan Ewing, Frederico Marias, Jack Robinson, Matthew McGillery, Wade Carmichael, and Leonardo Fioravanti. Those are the six guys that have a shot at it. The next guy down is way down in points. Of the six guys, only two of them, the last two, are even in the Pipe Masters. Okay. So this is my annual sort of beef with the Vans Triple Crown. Yeah. They need, and they have needed for a long, long time to rethink what the Vans Triple Crown is. This happens every single year. And how do you expect us, David and I, and the rest of the viewers to buy into the legacy of this, you know, supposedly great thing to be the winner of the Vans Triple Crown if it's obviously broken? Yeah. And I think it's broken. It's been broken every year. I have the same rant. Jack Robinson could win the Vans Triple Crown, but he's not in the Pipe Masters. I have a feeling they're going to grant him a wild card into it. I agree. They have to. I looked. I've been looking. I think they need to. I mean, yeah. that's a no-brainer. But that, but Matthew McGillery, he's only 500 points below Jack Robinson. Yeah. There's no way they're granting him one. No. From South Africa, no one even knows. He already flew home. <laughs> Ethan Ewing, who deserves one. Deserves? Because he's, he's the Triple Crown leader? Yeah. Yeah. He's not You're on right. the CT. No, he, he just qualified. Right. So he'll be on Twitter. But he's not going to be able to win the Vans Triple Crown. Right. Or maybe he is. Maybe that's the other thing. Maybe all these guys can win it without even being in the third event. But they have a lot less likely chance without the third event. So, yeah, you're right. It's, it's broken. Frederico Marias is in second place. Yeah. He's not going to win the Vans Triple Crown. Nope. And so. He has in the past. Yeah. It's it's a it's a bummer that yeah. it's broken and nobody really deals with it. And right. they always do it this this is how they deal with it. They're like, "Well, there's usually one or two guys that are in the running by the pipe and we'll slide them in." Exactly. Well, this year there's six guys. Yeah. Four of them aren't in it and they're the four leaders. Yeah. The bottom two guys the guys got 9,000 points. Leonardo's got 9,000 points. Yeah. 
3,000 points below Ethan Ewing. Yep. So it's always a problem, and they always just sort of like, go, oh, well, it is what it is. You know, nobody cares. But I'll tell you who cares, these four guys and their careers. Mm-hmm. And I think it's lame. It is lame. And it needs to be addressed, and so here I am. Waving my and I don't know how they would do it. It's 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 a it's a tough one. Now there are trials. A lot of times they're like, well, we'll put those guys in the trials. But guess who's not in the trials? Wade and Leonardo. They're on the CT. They're seated into round one. So it's kind of not fair. So though, and I'm not even sure these guys are in the trials. By the way, I looked and there was no trial seat. A seating hadn't been. I like how you spelled Leonardo. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's his name Leonardo Um, by the way the solution which I will then argue against in a moment is yeah anybody who's in contention for the triple crown or like the top five guys let's say who are in contention for the triple crown get a berth in the pipe masters full stop except the argument against that is why do you have to make all these special accommodations for pipeline that you don't have throughout all the other events in the year because by the way there's 32 guys on tour who are vying for their rankings and all this sort of stuff throughout the year why should in the final event they have to deal with all of these new circumstances? so i kind of don't agree with that even though that would solve the problem um man wsl has a lot of messes to clean up of precedents that have been well, made for my, the last decade. My feeling is they won't do anything. They're just going to do like they've been doing forever, which is like, ah, nobody cares. And and really, that's the thing is that I'm st- I, you and I have been saying, you've heard me say this last year. I said this to you. We want to care about the Vans Triple Crown, but it's really hard to give a shit when you're not even like figuring it out. Yeah. Now, what about this option? What if you make the final jewel... The Vulcan Pipe Pro. Now, Vans and Vulcan aren't going to be too stoked on that. Maybe. I don't know. So, the but that allows all the QS guys yeah, to surf perfect. in it. That's perfect. But so, it, the it, Billabong it, Pipe Masters isn't the... It still takes place. It's just not the Triple Crown event. It's not the third jewel in the Triple perfect, Crown. Perfect solution. The third jewel is the... And then, the, what's cool about that is it makes the Triple Crown spread out throughout into like the end of January, right? Don't they run yep. the Vulcan in like mid-January or yep. even into February, I think, sometimes, right? So the third jewel could be the Vulcan Pipe Pro, and now you've you've spread out your marketing about the Triple Crown even longer, you're, and and you've solved this issue. Yeah, Look you, at me. you solved it. I solved it. Did Doug Palladini, right take now? note. What's that? Did you just think of that right now? No, no. Maybe. Yes, I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, Wesley Dantes is ranked thirty third on the QS this year. So dude's qualifying. Congrats. He's gonna to be him. on your fantasy team. I know it. He's definitely not, but. Um, He's definitely not qualifying either, but congrats to him. Look, we went over these world title implications. I don't know if we need to go over them. We're going to hear them when we watch the Pipe event. But basically, Elo needs to win Pipe, and he wins his world title. And if Elo finishes second, Medina and, T- and Felipe need to uh, will need a first to claim their title. Idolo, say again, Elo needs to win Pipe? If Elo wins Pipe, he wins his world title. Right. If Elo finishes second... Gabe Medina and Felipe Toledo would need to beat to win right. to claim their world title. But and then everything. If, Ferrara, if Italo places third, Medina needs a second. Toledo and Jordy Smith must win the event. Yeah. So basically, Italo has the only guy that owns his own destiny. And Gabe needs to finish essentially a heat ahead of him throughout the earlier rounds. 
in order to beat Idolo, basically. So, like, if they lost... Idolo can get fifth, and Medina would need a third. Exactly. Yeah. So that's exactly what it is. Gabriel needs to finish a heat ahead of Idolo. A heat ahead, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the forecast models are looking good. Are for, they? For pumping pipeline. I knew I could rely on Probably the second day of the waiting period, the ninth and 10th, I bet we see it run. And it's going to just continue to pump. Like, the, the North Pacific is pumping, and the waves have been pumping here in California. I mean, I've been surfing hard isn't it nice yeah it's so and i love the crisp mornings of like autumn i always forget except now it's like the water's warmer than the air now now it's kind of dropped a little bit but i love when the water's a little bit warmer than the air so it's early morning you're kind of dreading getting changed and all that and then you get in the water and it's actually really nice conditions are clean i've been wearing my four three neat essentials me too I transitioned into the 4.3. Mine's yeah. from like two years ago. I'm still wearing it. Yeah. Um, you know what else I'm wearing? <laughs> I spent the weekend. I spent the. Some sort of spray or manscaping thing? or. Yes, and uh, I spent the. What's going on with manscaping, by the way? <laughs> have you been manscaping? Are they still our sponsor? No, but have you been manscaping? <laughs> Why not? Well, because you never used the product in Taco. No, it's not me. It is you. Shut up. Yeah, they listen. They're like, that guy doesn't even use it. No, I've, I've been using it. Have you really? Yeah, I've been taking some gray off of the middle of my chest. Oh. Right here. Have you? Yeah. Okay. Well, good for you. Yeah. See if they'll throw you a few shekels. <laughs> uh, manscaping no. bailed on us, huh? No. What? I spent the holiday in Big Bear. I'm going. I saw your pictures. I'm, I'm gonna. Say. I'm gonna hit it again this week. I'm gonna go ski. Uh, Need essentials outerwear, dude. Oh yeah. Need essentials snowboard pants or ski pants is what I wear them as. The shell outer jacket. I might need to get. I'm going up to Montana here pretty soon. Are you really? Yeah. You don't have that stuff. Hank has it. Like uh, Rob was really cool about sending it to Hank. Yeah, dude. I'm psyched on it. I am. I've worn it in previous years too, but I. Uh, put it away in the garage and just pulled it out again for that trip. The stuff is flawless. Tech gear, super warm, neat essentials, not just everything you need for the ocean, but what you need for the mountain too, Scott. I know. Well, you know, Hank's, my son's got a job on the mountain. He's going to be working a big sky. That is amazing. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. He's psyched. So he's, cause he's really into snowboarding. Good yeah. for him, dude. Well, when you watch those, um, Need Essentials films like Torn Martin and Laurie Towner. Oh going, my God. Going to the North Atlantic. Um, Norderlund was the film last year. That's the gear that they're wearing in the snow. I mean, obviously they're wearing the wetsuits too, but that outerwear stuff, that's all Need Essentials as well, which you and I have not okay, talked so, about nearly enough. So NeedEssentials.com. Well, I'll Need Essentials this. My must see moment is Torn Martin in that new movie on the light side. Yeah. In, which is brought to you by Need Essentials. In the Indian Ocean? Indo, yeah. Desert Point, Neos, you know what Green I like? Bush. Have you seen it? Yeah. You know what I liked about it? It's insane. Waves of consequence. Totally. Like, we've seen Torin getting styly and shredding at rippable waves, you know, or, or point breaks and stuff. But it was nice to see him surfing some juicy, threatening, shallow water waves. And it kind of, the one part that. The Neos was gnarly. I know. On a twin fin? But what's gnarly or what when his board comes when he comes out of the barrel and his board's like chattering, you're yeah. just like there's so much speed under that that board needs an anchor on it. <laughs> he needs a third fin. Well, it inspired me to get a new board. Which I, got I, a new I one haven't too. I haven't done yet. Oh, I got one. You did. Okay, so we needed to have more board discussion. That's the one email I get constantly throughout the years. Oh my god, it's I got like, so many you boards. You guys need coming. to talk more surfboards of what you're writing. Okay, so I got wait, a torn. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. So the torn Martin thing. I did get the 610 mid-length that he was riding last year at J-Bay in the Mexican Point Breaks. And I love that board, and it's amazing. 
But now the slightly shorter version that he's writing in this video, I'm like, dude, I need that one now. And that's, by the way, what Steph won Stab in the Dark or the electric acid surfboard test. Yeah. She picked that shorter version that is the twin with the channels from Simon Jones as her winning board. And that's what Torin's writing in well, these. No, the one in this one is a 610, I thought. Some of There's the, a few of them. Yeah, There's yeah, a few yeah, different yeah. boards he yeah, rides. But yeah. I saw a 610, I think, at the beginning when yeah. the there's a board floating in a pool or something okay or in a in the water well he is riding the shorter one as well and the shorter one i'm looking at going dude that thing is what i need well i'm i'm going down from a 7.2 to a 6.10 and so making some riding, tweaks to so it so you're riding the sacle yeah ryan sacle it's the saber model ryan sacle and we've he's a great surfer and so i like working with shapers that are i mean i like all the shapers but it's fun when he and i we see eye to eye on, on like how we want to surf basically and uh so we've shortened it up a little bit and we've we've i want the thicker part of the board moved up into my chest area just a little bit and then have it taper and foil down to the tail nice and thin and i've added a little bit more of a performance rail up to the midpoint of the board this one i have now is a little bit softer and 50 50 ish in the middle of the board so i want a little bit more of a tucked edge up to the middle and then we ran the the concave further up where there was roll under my chest now there's concave there and now there's roll up in the nose more but so anyway we've made some tweaks on it and we so narrowed up the nose just a smidgen does the board have channels yes channels okay. off the tail twin pin okay yeah um it's the same board just slightly tweaked 7.2 is too long. I thought that when you told I, me what you got. I've been enjoying the shit out of it. I've been yeah, riding yeah. the shit out of it in big waves and digging it. Yeah. And I'm, so I'm hoping that we can transfer the same volume. That's why I want to move some of the thickness into my chest area so I can still paddle like a beast. But there's moments on the 7.2 where it's a little chattery. I get so much speed on the thing. I'm like, whoa, I got to burn some speed off here. Like it's just. Do you know what the thickness is? It's like two and five eighths. Yeah. So mine from Simon Jones at Morning of the Earth, it's 610 and it's um, a lot of volume and the volume is forward. And so it tracks, it has certain things that it does really, really well. Like it tracks really well. And I can actually swing that weight, that front weight and like through turns, but it's never going to go vert and it's never going to really, even on cutbacks, you more want to cut down and then go into the bottom turn rather than like fully banking off the whitewash, you know? Mm -hmm. But I had so much fun riding it and didn't even really acknowledge those deficits. Like I just was really enjoying the benefits of it. Um, and it was working really well in one foot waves and overhead waves. Like I kind of loved it in all conditions. But then Matt Parker at Album loaned me. He and I are the same size. So I think he built the board for himself. And it was I think it was inspired by exactly that board that I was talking about, the Simon Jones one. So... It's a mid-length, but it's a little bit shorter. My Simon Jones one is 6'10". Matt Parker's is 6'9", six, six, I think, or 6'7". And there's no channels, and it's asymmetrical, and it's much more foiled and thinner. And so I picked up the board, and I'm like, it's an entirely different board, basically. Like, yeah. I can't even really compare no, this sure. to that. For sure it is. But... I ride it in the same conditions. You know, it's kind of like whatever conditions I would consider riding the Simon Jones one in, I'm now considering the album one. And to be honest, I haven't gotten back on the Simon Jones one since. And I've fallen in love with the album. You're not giving it back. <laughs> I mean, I mean, sorry, Matt. 
that happens to him a lot. Oh, by the way, make me one too. <laughs> Sounds like a good board. I kind of don't even want a different one. I'd rather just have that. No, one. you do. Yeah, for sure. Just don't give it back. I just know. go. Give, what's the number? Write exactly. the check. Yeah. Because if you order a custom one, it's, they're never the same. Well, the benefit of this. So I'll I'll tell you what translates and then what the changes are. So what translate is is paddle power. I can get into all the same waves I was getting in with that other board on. It works in all the same conditions. It uh, doesn't quite have the projection that that other bigger board had where it's like I would just stand and kind of like settle into my heels and the thing would project forward. This I kind of need to like like squat down into it and push it a little bit down for it to project. Um, but it allows me to kick the tail. Like I'll be bottom turning and I see it like the lip. I wouldn't even think about hitting on the other board. This I can actually aim it and it goes vert into the lip. And then I notice the tail like kicking through it because it just has. Does it have future boxes? It does. Yeah. You know what I'm going to suggest just as a test? Yeah. What kind of fins does it have? Large True Aims twins. Okay. What I'm going to suggest is you get one of those future Rasta keel fins. Okay. And put it on your toe side. Okay. So it's and a just keep the fin. same fin on the no it's it's base here you know it's a keel. yeah it's more base yeah 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 it's it's you know it's like okay know, it's a keel fin. I have one yeah I'm sure you do I have so I wanted to get so put one of and leave the other fin the same yeah okay and just see what happens I like it and tell report back okay it might be a nightmare but yeah yeah because you have an asim like let's just do asim like you don't right. need the same fins yeah yeah but I love the zing that this board has. Like the zing is the difference. Where well, the reason I said this, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm yeah. just gonna tell you, I'm going. Let's get more base because you're you're not getting the same projection you were getting out of the Simon Jones right. board. So a little bit basier toe side okay. fin is going to give you more drive. But when you do that, you're going to get that same zingy pocket turn off of the right. heel side fin because it's it's not as basey of a fin. So right. you're going to get that and that. Yeah, and okay. it's ASIM anyway. Perfect. I like it. And thank you for talking me through it. Yeah. Um, I had a moment on it where there was a kid like playing at the end section of the wave. Like I was on the inside, surfed away to the inside, and there were some kids in the water. And he was like, I went to hit the end section, and had I been on the bigger board, I would have kind of projected in, into him. <laughs> and there was just a moment where as I'm hitting the section, I realized I need to actually turn this down and tight. And the board responded like that, like on a dime. As I'm mid-end section going, I should probably tweak this back a little bit so I don't put that kid in harm's way. And the board responded in a way that was like instantaneous, in the moment, full control, landed the maneuver away from the kid and was like, oh gosh, if I was on a bigger board, I might've projected towards him to make it too close for comfort. I probably wouldn't have hit him, but he would have been sketched out, you know? Hmm. So uh, I'm a big fan of the board. And by the way, Big fan of the mid-length, dude. The mid-length kind of makes everything more fun. You know what? When you're middle-aged, mid-length is the new short board. I might be middle-aged. I might <laughs> yeah. have transitioned into it. Look, we're 18 at heart, but we're 40-something in body. But not longboarding. You know, like we still want to try to rip. Um, hey, Scott, you know what we should do? We should take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsors before we wrap up the show with the Honolulu Bay Comp, the... Olympic qualifiers, the Duke and Kook, the right. messy moment, my right. messy moment, all that stuff. Spy? No. Who? We'll be right back after <laughs> this.
When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Scott, we are back. Why aren't those ads making you happy? You're not buying Blue Apron? No, it's not that. It's just that, you know, the uh, gotta give, um, give them some time. To- yeah, that's what I figure. Um, so one thing that the WSL might want to analyze, they were running two events simultaneously. The Vans World Cup of Surfing and the Lululemon Maui Pro for the women's side. You what- are Lululemon? I have one pair of Lululemon shorts that I wear, yeah, out hiking, basically. Wow. Um, they look, <laughs> you would not be able to tell. They look like I, I have some too. Yeah. I have some too. Uh, but where did, how did you divide your time? What was the percentage that you watched the Sunset Comp versus the Honolulu Comp? I watched zero Honolulu Comp on a live feed. Yep. Me too. And I watched the Honolulu Comp. I watched, I heat analyzed the Honolulu Comp. And I watched, I brought up the quarterfinals and any heat that had like a heat score of over 15 or 14, I would scrub to those two rides. And I did the same in the semis and then the same in the finals. I watched the best waves basically from the quarters on through. And how did you feel about those waves and how they were surfed? I thought they were great. I, you know, it's, it's, it's Carissa and Sally and Tatiana. I didn't think surf that good. I think her boards didn't look very good. 
Um, and then um, Steph Tyler. St- yeah, Steph Gilmore, Lady Diana looked great. Tyler, I didn't really watch any ways of Tyler, right? To be honest with you. Yeah. I should have, and I thought about it. I'm like, oh, she's back. We should see where she's at. But I'm all about Carissa and Steph, and those girls rip, and I like watch them surf. And But it's a problem that uh, you and I have very little interest in watching it, and it's not due to our own preconceptions or disposition. It's the fact that it's not as exciting. Like, it's not nearly as exciting as the Sunset Comp. They're not... Those the girls don't hate each other. They actually love each other. Like her, and, <laughs> her and Steph, or Tyler and Steph, going out for the final. They hug before the final. It's like, no, this is where you should be wanting to cut her throat. You know, like they're. And I know that's not their natural. Um, it's so funny, you know. But it's just not exciting to watch. And I go back and I watch the same things that you watch, and it's like, all right. I mean, they're surfing beautifully, but it's tepid, and it's not really like thrilling to watch. You know, I've been telling you this for years. I know they need to really ramp up some sort of element of interest. Yeah, you know, they do. It's problematic. Well, here's from, what's funny. from a viewing standpoint. You know who was that cutthroat person was Lane Beachley. Yeah, like Lane Beachley was gnarly. You know what I mean? You didn't want to cross Lane Beachley, and she dominated because of it. Because everyone else was like, "Whoa!" It was like you had to tiptoe around Lane, and there was a few girls that you know put up a charge with Lane, um, but. And when that was going down, I think the general consensus, and maybe I'm speaking too broadly for the public here, but it was kind of like, Lane's kind of gnarly. <laughs> you know, like the general consensus was, this isn't a good thing. And now we're like, oh, where's Lane? We need Lane back. I, I, we need some cutthroat competition. We need some people pissed at each other and and some hate going down. You know, to, to you, you all sport needs rivalry. It's just a known fact. It's not some brilliant... Um, no insight I'm providing here, and I don't think it needs to be aggression and hate. I think it no, there needs to be rivalry and drama in other ways. Yeah, but true rivalry is sort of backed by uh, a dislike. A, it's backed by ego. You know, it's backed by I want to win way more than you than you want to win, and that's an ego play. And mm-hmm. and and when you have ego play, you're going to have ego clash, and then you get good moments, you know? And that's just the nature of sport. Well, I feel like Courtney Conlog has that. I agree. I think Tatiana has that. I totally agree. Um, unfortunately, Tatiana hasn't quite lived up to my expectations. Um, and by the way... I think Carolyn Marks has it, too. She, oh, it has, yeah. Nobody's really... She's still like the cute, new, fresh kid on the block. But, but yeah, I think she's... she's she, she's you know, she brings a lot to the, to By the, the way, table. And I love sure Courtney. I, I love Courtney. Courtney Conlog to me is like, she could kick your ass. For sure. She you know does. what I mean? Like, yeah. and so I dig that. And I think she's, she's, yeah, she's going to be good for the tour and already is obviously. But I mean, as, I mean, look, how long has Steph been on tour? And Carissa too, by the way. I, I, I remember interviewing Carissa at the, I don't know, the Quicksilver Roxy Pro in like 2000. For being, and she's still really young. She was 14 then. I know. That's the thing. She or even younger, really young. maybe. She's like Jeremy Flores, where they join so young, and they're on for a decade, and then you hear their age, and it's like, no, they're 26, but they've been around for a decade, you know? And it's shocking. Well, and eventually, but, look, these girls, Steph and Carissa specifically, are going to phase out. If it's not next year, it's going to be the year after that. Or, Chris will be around for five. I mean, you know, maybe. You don't know. Women are a little different because they've got this motherhood thing going on. A lot of them are like, it's time to settle down and have kids. And once you do that, you know, it's, you know, I mean, I don't want to speak for, I mean, look at the, um, Lisa. 
Who? Lisa Anderson. Well, I was going to say the tennis. Um, oh. What's her name? Um, who's the really rad tennis player? The really rad one? The sister. One of the Williams sisters? Yeah. Serena or Venus? Yeah. Serena. She just had a kid and came out and just mopped up on everybody. Yeah. So I'm not saying the drive isn't there, but I mean, I can't speak to the motherly intuition. But usually when you have kids, you're like, okay, it's over. And it's time to just focus on my children. And it group. certainly inhibits the women's side of the tour more than it does the men's side. Yeah. And um, so you think that Carissa's got a husband now, right? Yeah. And does Steph? No. Lady Di doesn't have a husband. She, Dude, needs, a, back, she needs a husband. You want to hear a rumor? Uh, from a year ago it's not exactly news i saw her with spike jones the film director spike jones really so, yeah cool like at a movie premiere like holding hands like Whoa. a year ago she was like yeah that's pretty like, rad yeah spike jones is rad yeah like he's a-list you yeah know? that would be cool but he comes so, from the skate world so i think that was the connection is he probably has a fondness for surfing and oh i see um so i guess what i'm saying is i think the woman's tour has, is in a good place with Carolyn and Courtney and Tatiana and there's probably a few others that I'm missing even Sally Sally's been around a long time too Fitzgibbons right yep. so there's Perennial some f- bridesmaid by the way I know she's the Shane Haran of the whole deal <laughs> but but she, you know the women's tours it's in a good place but they're Courtney Courtney's going to help I, I would love it if Carolyn and Courtney got into a little rivalry thing where it was a real well, so, deal. Okay, so the one thing that I was looking forward to in this event was Lakey Peterson. Her too, like, by the way. So Lakey, like, I mean, really fighting for her world title and this, by the way, uh, the, her Olympic birth also. And More she, birthing. Huh? She lost both, B-E-R-T-H. Oh. Oh. She, lost like both, she lost both of those things early in the event. So it was going to be her versus Carissa and Caroline was in contention too, but it was mainly Lakey and Carissa vying for the world title. And Lakey really needs to do better than Carissa in this event to gain some distance on her to win the points. And that'll shore up her uh, Olympic qualification as well. Because if she doesn't, then Carissa will get it. Or I'm sorry, Caroline will get it. Once Lakey was out of competition, I was like, eh. That's all the drama. The drama's over. Now, I don't really care who wins. And by the way, Carissa won her title early in the event. You know, she didn't have to, like, go to the final. So as I saw those news thing, those things happening in the news feed, I was like, oh, I don't even need to watch anymore. Because the one thing, the one element of drama, whereas on the men's side, there's all these different dramas happening. The one element of drama and rivalry and contention and all that is out. Well, I'm out. So um, it does exist, but... And it isn't an aggression thing, by the way, for them. It was like that was just a pure competitive rivalry. Uh, one element of interest is Coco Ho got bumped off to her. Really? Which is kind of surprising. That is surprising. She's a perennial. Yeah. Um, She's Silvana, marketing gold. Yeah. And less surprising is Silvana Linema got bumped off. She's been bumped off a, a number yeah. of times. Um, Who are the new girls that... I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. That says a lot. Yeah. If David doesn't know, <laughs> he's really lost the farm. <laughs> so uh, WCT men's editions this year. Yes. For 2020. Yes. Frederico Marias, Jadson Andre, Yago Dora, Matt McGillivray, Jack Robinson, which is the first new. He and Matthew McGillivray are new additions. Alex Ribeiro, Miguel Pupo is coming back. Ethan Ewing is coming back. Connor O'Leary is coming back. David Silva has shored up his requalification. And Morgan Sibilic. Um, 
would be the last contender. So there's that. Okay, go through that list again. Let me let me hear. Federico Moraes. Federico, I don't need him on tour. Go ahead. Bore Fest. Next. Bore Fest. Okay, what's the next one? Jadson Andre. Don't need him. Love Jadson. Love Federico. Don't I'm, need him on tour. I, I've been against Jadson for ten years. He's finally won me over. I want him. He's gonna he's gonna not qualify. He's going to surf. Ugly. Look at 33rd, 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 33rd. Look at a fifth. No, but he's, gonna, 33rd, 33rd, 33rd. he's going to throw himself over the ledge at Chopes, at Pipe. He's going to get okay, injured but, once but or twice. But in the big picture of things, what I'm getting at I is know. I want to trim this tour down to 24 guys. Yeah. So keep going. Yago Dora. Yes, I want to see him. I, I I'm think on he, the fence. He hasn't, his potential still not peaked. Correct. Uh, Matthew McGillivray. Okay. Don't know. Don't know. Right. Don't know. Jack Robinson. Yes. Alex Ribeiro. No. Don't care. Miguel Pupo. No. Don't care at all. Ethan Ewing. Yes. Yes. Connor O'Leary. Yes. David Silva. No. Morgan Sibilic. No. I'm on the fence with Morgan Sibilic. I haven't seen him enough to know. So I think I said yes to four or five guys, yeah. right? Yeah. So now if you looked at the CT list, I, you and I could easily pick... 15 guys that we don't need to see. Yeah. And we replace those 15 with five that we do need to see. Now we're down to around 28 guys. Yeah. Which is what it should be. Yeah. No more than 28. It needs to be 24. It needs to be a two-day two events. Yeah, I agree. The swell runs. One swell. One swell. Yep. Uh, or I'm okay with one swell and then wait for the finals to be legit and a good swell. I like it. But um, whatever. By the way, side note, when we were talking about the women, why has nobody investigated Tyler Wright's absence for the last 18 months? And she comes back, makes the final, which is a that is an absolute storyline. But also, the commentators don't even reference where she's at, which makes me think they all know oh, why sure. she was not on tour. Yeah. And there is something nefarious or just there dark There's that nobody dark. wants to talk about. Somebody, where's Stab when you need him? This is why the surf industry is lame. Tell them. That's my point. This is why the surf industry is like, where's all the surf journalism? Where's the investigative journalism? Where's the Brad Malekians? So what where, in the hell happened Scott? to Tyler What's your Wright? thought? My thought? Yeah. She joined ISIS. <laughs> she's a member of friggin' ISIS, dude. ISIS is, ISIS is all but disbanded, so that's no, why she's No, she's, but she's like got this new arm of ISIS. It's like the Australian women's arm of ISIS. Okay. Yeah. So I have no idea what happened to Tyler Wright, but I could throw out a bunch of um, conspiracies, but I'm not gonna because it's it's not very responsible to do that. But well, if you just throw the word conspiracy out there, everyone else will run with it. So let's just well, do let's that. let me add to it. What do you think it is? What do you know? I don't. I don't know, know shit. I don't know anything. But here's I'm gonna add to the conspiracy. Yes. All three of the right kids yes. that are on tour. Yes. They're all ISIS members. Have all disappeared. Right. Not under suspicious Maybe circumstance. Are they Jehovah's Witnesses or something? Not under suspicious circumstance, but definitely they've all disappeared in ways that other world tour surfers haven't. They've all had excuses and they're injury related excuses. So maybe it's not an excuse. Maybe it's some gnarly family thing, but, like their father's dying or something, and they just don't want the public to know about it. But they were all at different times, too. Yeah, well, everyone had to take care of the father at a different time they couldn't all three do it at the same time well now i feel like a jerk i'm just saying who now knows? i feel like a jerk point is bringing is it up when you throw conspiracy theories out there it could be the total opposite where you feel like a jerk you know gosh 
But what's your point? What, what I'm are you edit saying? edit this whole thing out. Um, <laughs> what's the deal? Are they, I don't know. Are I'm they, just saying there's something going on. Like, are they running for office? Or they, no, I think I want to think it's nefarious. I want. To. What would you? I want to think it's. What? Dark. What? Dig deeper. What's nefarious? What do you mean? Three guys like that. They're all struggling with some emotional issues that are spinning their lives out of control, despite having all the potential and promise in the world. Mm. That there's some internal thing going on in each of them uh, that, you know, that they can't quite uh, navigate on their own and they Mm -hmm. can't navigate it with all of the vice that's accessible while you're traveling the world on tour and all of the fast pace and all of the attention. It will come out if they stay on tour and all these cameras are in their face asking them these questions and all of the uh, intensity of the pressure of the the contest and all that. These things are going to bubble out and become public knowledge. So instead, they take a year off. They shy away from the limelight. Therapy, like maybe, emotional maybe, therapy. Maybe they get therapy. That's for what it. Stab needs to ask them. Just like throw the mic in their face and be like, "How was the therapy?" And I don't mean the physical. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, it's just sus- suspect that Owen it does it, Mikey does it, and Tyler does it. By the way, Owen's example made sense, or Owen's uh, excuse made sense to me. He got a concussion, head trauma. Okay, that's something you want to take seriously. Mikey Wrights made sense to me. I think it was a knee, like an ACL, because he does giant airs and tries to land them. We have video evidence of all of this. So that makes sense to me. But less sense than Owens, considering the length of his absence. Now, Tyler. What are you? Irritable bowel syndrome. The irritable bowel syndrome? The Tyler's thing, oh, no, impacted was it, was what the excuse impacted was. Impacted bowel syndrome? Like she had like some, she went to Africa, got some stomach bug, and then like had like impacted bowel. That was like the first two or three events. That's what they were saying. Well, we're but then doctors. she took like maybe a she's... year and, and a half off. Huh. And she, she did come back super skinny, so maybe it was that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying each excuse like got you. less believable. Okay. Yeah, impacted bowel syndrome is one I wouldn't have pulled out from. I mean, you got to have a good well, a- agent to come up with that one. <laughs> that's the oh, yeah, right. that's the whole issue with it. It's what are we going to say? My excuses. How about impacted bowel syndrome? Next time you miss a podcast right. due to scheduling conflict, I want you to IBS. come up with. <laughs> <come up> with <laughs> you know, suffering from some IBS. Started as IBS, turned into full blown diarrhea, and I'll be uh, out for a year and a half. <laughs> David, I'll see you in twenty twenty one. Oh my. Um, so I've got a duke and a kook and a must-see moment. I have a must-see moment. I already said You my, already said it. Need right. essentials. Yeah. Is, is Spy still our must-see moment? No? We don't, do we have a sponsor? We need a sponsor, folks. Step up if you want to be a sponsor of the must-see moment. Definitely. Yeah. Um, mine is, I want to have a debate with you about it because I'm really conflicted. Carol, Kelly Slater's new Natural High video that Peter King shot. Mm. Did you see this? It's two no. minutes long. No. I don't know who the organization is. They're called Natural High. I know who they are. It's John Sunt. He's a Blacks local guy. And oh, he, okay. He's from a like a pretty famous Sunt construction company in San Diego. He's well off. Owns a house above Blacks. And his brother, I, I don't want to butcher it, but I think his two brothers died from drug overdoses. And so he started a nonprofit about you know don't take drugs you know life is a natural high that's basically it cool so that's what kelly says peter king interviews kelly it's two and a half minutes of him like hey what is your natural high is the question and so kelly talks about surfing of course and then goes into the ways that alcoholism has wrecked um some of his like his father was an alcoholic and he opens up about how that damaged kelly's kind of upbringing and his siblings and um how somebody told him at one point that like, look, 
look around at all the people that you know who are successful, who are living lives that you would want to live. Is alcohol an important part of their life? And the answer was no. So Kelly, it became crystal clear to Kelly that he wanted to make an impactful, you know, change in surfing and alcohol wouldn't be beneficial to that. So it was an easy decision for Kelly to focus all of his energy on surfing. And then he goes further to say that it actually prohibits his surfing. Like if he drinks, then he tries to wake up in the morning. He has a harder time, you know, achieving his goals in surfing had he been drinking the night before. So there's just no upside to it. Therefore, don't do it. So the part that is contentious that I want to discuss with you is, wasn't he in Michelob Ultra ads last year? <laughs> Weren't those ads running during the Super Bowl? Like, yeah. how do you jive these two things? So I, I congratulate Kelly on the natural high piece because I loved it and I was inspired with it. Yeah. And I was actually thinking, oh, I got to curb my alcohol intake because Kelly is 100% right. Intellectually, it no, I agree with everything that Kelly's saying. It's the message that I wouldn't want to pass to my kids, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the message I would like to convey here, except I'm also going to do a diatribe next week on my favorite, you know, California Chardonnay when you ask me what I should pair with my Thanksgiving. You know what I right. mean? Like I do drink alcohol and sure. I actually enjoy it and we talk about it on like, so I could call Kelly a hypocrite for taking money from Michelob and then <laughs> you've gotten drunk online before. Haven't you done for sure? You and Chaz, didn't for you guys sure. get drunk? For sure. Yeah. So, and I'll Instagram about alcohol too, right. but then I also feel conflicted because it's like, yeah, Kelly, I agree with your messaging. And I also love my wine. Okay, let me explain Kelly's Kelly's relationship with Michelob Ultra, right? So Michelob Ultra is this like low carb beer for the you know highly active, highly successful techie guy that wants to unwind after yoga with a couple of beers, and I mean a couple, like two, maybe only one, maybe one and a half. That's the beer for the guy who can drink a beer order another one and only drink half of it and let the other half just sit there, which is difficult for some of us to comprehend. So you're, you're saying that fits with Kelly's ethos? Yeah, Michelob Ultra, one or two of those has nothing to do with like drinking a 12 or a Natty Light and taking a bunch Passing. of bong loads. So I, by the way, you're right, because Kelly's message in the natural high thing wasn't abstinence. Yeah. And it also wasn't moderation. It was just what I said previously. Yeah. So you're right. Michelob Ultra could jive person. It does. It's, it's actually Kelly's. the perfect beer for, okay. he's Solved. like the perfect spokesman. For Solved. It. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Cool. Boom. Must see it's moment. Kelly's job. natural high. I'll yeah. post it on spitpodcast.com. Yeah. It is worth Peter, saying. I'm not shaming Peter King does a great job with everything he does. Most everything he does. I mean, I can't think of one thing that I, I like seeing Peter King's stuff pop up in my feed. Yeah. Peter's, um, it's, Man on the, it's a what he gonzo journalism or like guerrilla kind of filming where sticks a camera in your face. There's no pre produced questions. There's very little post production editing. It's just, hey, Kelly, how do you feel about this thing right now? Tell me immediately. And there's, it's low fi. Ultra. <laughs> it's low fi. And then he s- smash cuts it together, you know, just like cut, quick cut, quick cut. And it's, you get two minutes of super impactful information. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I'm a big fan. All right, well, my Duke happens to be Kelly Slater, also for making Jackson Dorian his caddy during the sunset competition. Oh, how great is that? I did not see that. Dude, the waves are pumping. Jackson's, what, 11? (laughs) 
and they got smashed in the whitewash. They oh missed time to paddle out, and they both got stuck for like three minutes just getting smashed. Oh, my and God. And Kelly, afterwards, I think he might have been talking to Peter King. Kelly was like, dude, I was really sketched. Even I was worried about do- making this paddle out, and I look back, and Jackson is underwater for like way too long. <laughs> He's like, I thought I was going to have to rescue him. I didn't even know Kelly was in the sunset event. Yeah, he got a, he did like a beach entry. Um, so Jackson is Kelly's grandson or godson. Yeah. And he's also Shane Dorian's yeah. son, biological son. Will Jackson so, Dorian be on the world? How old is he now? 11? Will he be on the world tour in eight years? Yeah. At age 18, 19? Yeah. Yeah, he will be. At age 19, will he be on the world tour? If he wants to. Of the CT. If he wants oh, to. Oh, I don't think, why wouldn't he want to? When you're an 11-year-old kid, that's all you've known? I'm- no, it's not all he's, that's the thing is, that's not all he's known. He's known big wave surfing, he's known hunting, he knows skating, like he's a really good skateboarder. Oh, okay. So he could go any path oh. that he wants. Oh. The world is his oyster. Wow. Yeah. And so you're saying he will be on tour? Should he choose to be, he will. He's talented right. enough to be. Right. Yeah. So bravo though. I mean, that's a great move for Kelly. Like yeah. Kelly's going, look, I don't need that's to worry so about cool. points. I don't need to like, but Jackson, this will be awesome. That's so, gnarly. That's Duke a heavy thing to do. For sure. And I, I think everybody obviously was watching for sure. Yeah. Uh, my kook, he's been a kook previously for me this season. So I'm just Wesley Dantas. Layer it on dude. William Cardoso. <laughs> The big panda? What do they call him? Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda. Uh, definitely needs points to requalify. Definitely needs to do well at sunset. And he surfs his heat without a watch. And <laughs> can't hear scores. Can't hear the time. So he's literally waiting for, like, he needs a wave. He needs to know how much longer is in the heat. And he's looking at the beach, trying to see. He can't see. He's tapping his wrist, asking for that announcer to call out the time for him. Over so that over. he knows. Yeah. How kooky is that move? <laughs> is it? Yes, it's quite it's quite panda-like. Your I mean, career is on the line, and having a watch is hugely beneficial for you in this scenario. Something that a black and white bear would do. Definitely. Not have a watch on. If Is the panda on the endangered list? Because, by the way, he is going extinct. <laughs> oh, my God. He's gonzo. Gonzo. What's his next move? I guarantee, You know what his next move is? He's going to be a coach. He's going to be a coach for the Brazilian team. I could see that. Okay. What is he going to coach them to do? Not wear watches? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He's probably going to eliminate that part. To of not the- go when the waves get big and barreling? <laughs> oh my God. Wow. I don't know what Kung his selling, selling point would be as a coach. Maybe I'm wrong. You bring up some good points. I think there. his move is go home and open a business. Go yes. home. Be the local hometown hero. Do Airbnb surf experiences. No, no, it's Kung Fu Kumbacha. Kombucha. <laughs> yeah, kombucha. Thank you. What did I say? Kombucha? Kung Fu Kombucha. Nailed it. That would be a good it move. It is good. It is good. That, I don't know if we're on the downside of the kombucha trend or not. Or has not, it hit Not in Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, they don't, they don't know. Well, Kung Fu will make it happen. He's I agree. Kid. Kung Fu Kombucha. Panda Kung flavored. Fu Alkaline Water. Panda flavored. <laughs> It's Every eucalyptus, bottle has it's a eucalyptus flavor. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, that's koalas. No, that's koala bears, yeah. Dang. What no, is a panda eat? Bamboo. Ice. Bamboo. Bamboo. Bamboo, Bamboo flavored. flavored kung fu kombucha. Kombucha? Kombucha. Kombucha. Nailed it. This guy. Gosh. You're going to give us a percentage of every bottle sold. We need also, in addition to a full-time producer, we need a graphic designer who can design the artwork for the Kung Fu Coconut Kombucha so that we can meme that out in uh, two hours. Yeah, we need a meme guy. Yeah. I'm trying to be the meme guy. Oh, it's, every you, once you in a while, do a lot. Every once in a while. You need help. 
Yeah. I mean, my heart's in it, though. I would prefer that my legacy in history goes down as the greatest surf memer. Because the great surfer's not in the option. No, no. It's not in the plans. There's no way that's long gone. Right. Uh, But like surf podcaster, I'll cast aside. I don't even care about that. I want to be the greatest surf memer of all time. I just haven't devoted the time and energy that it would take to take. Why don't you become the greatest father of all time? Uh, I'm working on it. Oh, I'm working on it, look Scott. Where you go? Yeah. What do you got? Trying. Like Tinder gone? Your your thumbs are working. Just can't, Tinder. I can't get a recept. I can't convince a receptacle of oh my. my <laughs> Lady Die. Stephanie's available. Stephanie is Gilmore. she? I don't think I have what it takes. Like she I think would not do. be impressed. I don't know. She seems like a cool chick. I think. No, she seems super cool. I think you I think guys she should. She sets her sights a little bit higher. Yeah, maybe. Filmmakers that work with Joaquin Phoenix, Ooh. not podcasters that work with Scott Bass. Did you see the Joker? Not yet. Oh my god, so gnarly. Is it? It's pretty gnarly. Is it good? Yeah, it's good. If you're, it's like a tour de force. Joaquin Phoenix just like absolutely incredible. Absolutely the greatest. It's uh, incredible. Actor of our generation, he's. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, and he just carries uh, the whole movie's him, and yeah. he just freaking mows through this movie with the performances. Now it's a little dark, and it's a little if you're if you're expecting more than just um, you know a character development movie, you know, like a it's just a it's it's just let's learn who the Joker was as a young man. You know, like there's no and, and, he, and it's very dark. And he is a sociopath. Yes. Right? I yes. mean that is. Well, yeah. I, I won't give it up, but but yeah, that's not a spoiler. We know what the Joker does in. Yeah. This movie is a. This movie precursor. puts a twist on that, though. Okay. Yeah, it's a precursor to the Joker becoming like this evil person. Sinister. It's a really I love incredible uh, performance. It's kind of it's kind of dark. It's it's I love it. It's love not dark. like an uplifting movie. No. It's gonna you're gonna leave it going, oh my god, did I waste my time just now? Yeah. And then you'll realize the performance was so incredible that I didn't waste my time because. It was, and- Todd Haynes, the director, I love the director. I mean, I've he's the in, he's the ultimate anti-hero. Like you leave some, you leave part of the time you leave the movie going. I'm kind of pro Joker, <laughs> kind huh. of pro Joker, even though he just you know. He, well, that's <laughs> amazing storytelling. Yeah. they can make you sympathize with that. Yeah, that's that's it. There's some empathy there. A terrible, terrible person. He's a terrible person, and you're kind. Of, it's kind of like you know, how, like with the guy in Breaking Bad, you're kind of like. Yeah, he sells meth, but I'm kind of on his side. Tony Soprano. That's the same. Yeah, all that anti-hero thing. And and this is like, this pushes it to the limit. Like, am I really leaving the movie kind of cheering for the Joker right now? I think I am, but I shouldn't be. Yeah. You know? Kind of like that. Anyway, Um, good movie. By the way, uh, the reason why I haven't seen it is I just don't like going to the theater as much as I once did. But I saw it in a theater and there was no one there. Yeah. Except for one guy that with a dark hoodie that looked sketchy. By the way, what if you were just like a low-level drug dealer trying to get by, like in the city, slinging weed on the corner, and a guy shows up out of the dark wearing a bat costume and breaks your arm and disappears? That would be bad. That would be crazy, right? If yeah. that happened in real life. Yeah. some like I mean, put it in real terms. Take yourself outside the fantasy of right. knowing who Batman is in this movie scenario. Okay. If you were just literally in New York City, and you had like your regular clients that you show up, sell them drugs or they show up sell them drugs and you're hanging out on the corner and you're like waiting for a drug deal and this guy pops out out of the shadows wearing a bat costume and you're like oh my god and he breaks your arm and then disappears <laughs> <laughs> i like that you call them clients 
You know, you're just waiting for your clients. Because that's what drug dealers are, the no. business people. It's not, I mean, the movies make some sound they're like they're clients. like these they're, nefarious, they're bros. They're like, like, yeah, sneaking through the alleys. No, they're just normal people. I don't know if they're clients. Like, how funny would that be? <laughs> that's, that's a, how funny would that be? They're more like bros. They manage it using Salesforce. They manage all of their clientele using <laughs> Salesforce. Like, oh, I haven't talked to so-and-so in about three weeks. I need to revisit. We need a sales Let me check meeting. in on it. Um, okay, my okay. final thought is, did you watch The Irishman on Netflix yet? No. The new Martin Scorsese I, I film? Want, I need to. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci comes out of retirement. It's a crime film about Jimmy Hoffa's disappearance. Yeah. It's like nine nine episodes, or is it one long movie? Three and a half hour long movie. Feature mm, on film. Netflix. On Netflix, directed right. by Martin Scorsese. Okay, yeah. I got this. Is This is big on my list. Thanks okay. for reminding me. You're welcome. What about country music? What about it? Did you watch it? No, oh. I forgot. No, I didn't. It's, a, it's, a, it's a gnarly deep dive, and it's 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 a long Ken slog Ken Burns yeah, yeah. documentary. But I will, I will. I'll it's, put it. it's, there's moments of really good stuff, and there's long periods of... There's a big story to tell, and he tells the whole story. And The Irishman, it's kind of the same way. It's three and a half hours. I know. Well, on Netflix, you can just stop and like... Which is the best thing. Like, I honestly would not have watched it in the theater. Yeah. Because that's way too long. Yeah. But yeah, watching it over the course of three different viewings was worth it, and it is spectacularly good. A lot of people are um, dismaying or uh, dismissing it. Yeah because of the length and it gets boring but it's actually not boring like it was fully engaging throughout and scorsese is the greatest american filmmaker of our time like he's amazing and it is beautiful epic story really really vile people who you totally sympathize with uh de niro always plays i feel like de niro always plays de niro it's kind of nice to see him not take playing this terrible like um he takes terrible work all the time. So it's nice to see him working with good material. Pacino doesn't go all out Pacino. Pacino can be Scarface, like, you know, over the top Pacino. Pacino plays down a little bit, which is good to see. And Pesci is the best Pesci you've ever seen. It's good. <laughs> Pesci truly is the guy where you're like, I don't even think he's acting. Like, that's just who he is. He's better in this than I've seen him in anything else. <laughs> like, he, it doesn't, I don't even feel like it was Pesci. You was mentioned really best good. filmmaker of American filmmaker Martin Scorsese. What about Marty DeBerg? Don't know him. This is Spinal Tap? <laughs> He's the documentary filmmaker for This is Spinal Tap, Marty DeBerg. Is he American? Look it up, bro. Can't believe you don't know him. I'm going to guess you don't know that I he's d- American. Of course he's not. American. Oh, it's okay. Marty DeBerg. Okay, I'll look it up. This is Spinal Tap. All right, sorry. I didn't do my research. Hey, clearly. Okay, until next time, adios and aloha. Well, good morning, Captain. Good morning to you, sir. Hey, hey, yeah. Do you need another mule skinner? Do 
Good. <laughs> 